This is the PR Pod, the podcast that brings you expert tips for working in PR and finding your niche. With your host, Brooke Burns. This episode is an absolute treat for me for many reasons, but mainly because I get to chat to my guest, Joe Papadopoulos. Welcome to the PR Pod, Joe. Thank you so much. I'm really thrilled to be here. Joe was head of publicity and my boss when I was at Australian broadcast station Network 10. She is currently the head of publicity at SBS, another television station in Australia, which makes Joe one of the most experienced television PRs in this country and a great person to provide insight into the magical world of working within television. So you did a Bachelor of Arts majoring in communications and politics at university. What made you steer towards the communications versus the politics side of it? It's funny because at university I enjoyed the politics side of it um, rather than the communications. Um, But I think I probably enjoyed the politics the same way I now like television as a topic of interest rather than necessarily working in it. So, um, look, I wanted to be an actor, I thought, or I wanted to to be in the entertainment industry. And was that a childhood thing or from something from high school you were interested in being an actor? Well, I used to do quite a bit of it when I was young. You know, I used to do plays and that kind of thing. I I used to do dancing like every young, Mm -hmm. like a lot of young kids do. Um, And I enjoyed the entertainment space and I thought acting was the only way in. Like I didn't really have an understanding. I certainly didn't know what PR was and I didn't really have an understanding of what other jobs there were out there in that industry. So, um, but, you know, I quickly realised that um, acting is actually not for me. Um, apart from not even having the skill, I didn't really enjoy it. Like, you know, And what was it you didn't like about acting? I think I just really found it nerve-wracking. and Being like, centre of attention or, or uh, the I process just, of it? I think possibly the process. I don't know. I mean, I, um, I did quite a bit of it. So when I was on stage, I really relished it, which was great. But... Um, Going to university, I first actually started applying to um, do auditions for NIDA and things right. like that. So NIDA and I think Whopper and something else, some other univers- so, university. So, you know, in Australia, they're very prestigious yeah. acting academy. What, what what would you call them? An, uh, yeah, well, they're, what, they're acting or... institutions, yeah, I yeah. presume, yeah. Mm. And um, and so, you know, I did my application and you've got to be invited to, um, to uh, what's it called, um, audition. Mm-hmm. And I did. And I just thought, oh, God, this is just not for me. Like, I just didn't really like the process. I didn't like, I wasn't buzzed like everybody else was um, to, you know, to do the auditions and be up in front of all this kind of thing. And I think I just thought to myself, I, I'm not cut out for this side of this business. Like, doing auditions, which is that constant test that nerve wracking I'd be I'd be I'd be not I'd be not well before I went up on stage you know for any kind of audition etc so I thought this is not for me um, applied for university um, at the time for the BA I went oh yeah communications there was something in there around marketing etc oh yeah okay that sounds good politics I like and so while I was there I kind of really understood got a better understanding of what sort of jobs were out there yeah and what kind of jobs did you think would appeal to you at that point in time I still, I didn't really have a, you know, a, a true grasp of what I, th- I, I finally um, narrowed it down to communications or PR. And I, at the time, um, I thought, oh, it might be, it was, and funnily enough, it was in the both, both spaces, maybe politics, maybe entertainment. Really, my heart was more entertainment, but those jobs are just few and far between and certainly for somebody who's got like a BA you know and limited experience to be able to get those jobs so um so you know I guess kind of um I thought oh well I'll try and get some kind of junior publicity job of course 
um, very happy to volunteer um, because getting a paid job was like, well, I don't have the experience for that. And I knew that, like, you know. Do you do internships at uni or is that not part of it? It wasn't part of it. Mm. I mean, it was. it's not like now where you, thankfully, you do have a, a, a lot more practical experience. Um, and so, and also I didn't do a communications degree. So um, so it was a, a Bachelor of Arts and those were my two kind of core topics, et cetera. And so I, I didn't really come out of um, university with any real life experiences you know Mm. um so i um so i i you know kind of put my you know i got out there and started you know calling places etc and i thought oh you know politics local government that's like i didn't didn't aim too high but i thought (laughs) oh i might try my local government etc so i volunteered at um the comms department um in the local government and it was great and while i continue to apply for actual paid gigs and that was a good experience yeah and so how long were you there for gosh I don't know probably about a year Mm -hmm. I would say and that's volunteering that whole time yeah like you know I I had a I had work like Mm -hmm. I had job a job you know to get income etc but probably I god I can't remember to be honest but maybe about a year um and um and then they eventually um, started paying me as well, which is great. But it was like in, on a casual um, basis, which was great because I also really realised that I don't necessarily want to do this. I really wanted to get... Um, as in you didn't want to work in politics necessarily? I, I didn't think so. Like I was like, yeah, this is not really my thing per se. And um, and I thought I, I would like to pursue where possible, um, you know, entertainment where I could. And, you know, at the same time, I was kind of applying for f- a zillion jobs. Oh, my gosh. Um, and then, you know, and as, not just an entertainment, literally just no, communication. Well, anywhere. actually, I at the time I, I did entertainment in general um, and then also which are few and far between. And then I also did um, a lot of um, uh, travel, travel mm. agency, travel uh, like airlines, that kind of thing. And as would have it, you know, you get so many rejections. And then eventually I got um, I was really, you know, I got I got offered a job in both industries at the same time so you know when it happens sometimes it just happens you know yeah and um, and I remember being um coming out of an interview with um, at the time it was Malaysian Airlines um and then and also the other one was Fox Studios Australia and um and and I was like oh they were both great but I was like my heart was in entertainment and so um I Went for, went for the, that one. Went for that one. And at that time in your life where you're obviously young and you don't yeah. have any work experience, what attributes did you think stood out about you? What, yeah. made, what made you an appealing person to hire? Sure. Um, I think I, I think the time that I had with um, the local government was great. Um, I was really fortunate to have a really strong female boss. doesn't matter that she's female, I guess, but just from my perspective, you know, she's a, was a strong female leader, a great role model for me. And, you know, and, uh, and I've had great female leaders throughout my um, career since, which is fantastic. But um, I think just the practice, um, the practical elements of being in an office and, um, and what communications um, is, was useful um also I was tenacious and I was eager I mean I rang Fox Studios every month I rang the HR department every month and I was going to say for those who don't know what Fox Studios can you give an overview of what it is yeah it's an innovative experiment that didn't quite achieve its potential (laughs) is what it was you know it's um but it was it was one of the best experiences of my life it was a professional studio originally so and and it still is now so it's a it's a film studio um and then um they then expanded into kind of an entertainment and um and shopping experience after that as well Mm -hmm. so it was um it had an element called the backlot which is kind of part so it was part theme park 
we, although we'd never use those words, we'd never use the words theme park, but it was part theme park, um, it was a part film studio and it was part shopping district, shopping right. and dining district, mm-hmm. etc. And so you were employed there as a publicist, junior publicist? I think, uh, oh God, I think it was a publicist, but I was a junior publicist. Certainly junior. Certainly junior. And so what were your roles and responsibilities at uh, Fox? Well, um, a lot of the things that I did were, apart from general kind of administrative things like, you know, media lists and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, yeah, that's right. A lot of that. Yep. You know? And um, packing bags, that sort of thing. But um, I also, you know, Fox Studio was launching, you know, so um, it was launch. I was part of the launch team. And, um, and so we had a lot of press that were coming to uh, the site. Um, before it opened and so what I guess we call for mills so I would take care of a lot of domestic and international crews a lot so I would take them through the back lot um, and through the precinct etc and I would talk through the philosophy of the place um, as they kind of did filming pieces and pieces to camera and all that kind of stuff so um, I, I would take them on the experience the Titanic experience and the lights camera chaos I think it was and and all that kind of stuff and I did that every day you know and in the showground also there were so I talk about the restaurants and the philosophy behind the restaurants because it was quite um, – they had it was really an innovative um, – um, innovative thinking around what the precinct would be. It, it genuinely wasn't realised, which is a little bit sad. Um, and um, But, gosh, it was a, an amazing experience working there. And I can only assume that it was your experience working in that entertainment mm-hmm. field that put you in really good stead to yeah. go to Network 10, And which you've mentioned this already. But getting into television mm-hmm. publicity is extremely hard <laughs> yes. because, I mean, I haven't worked in TVPR for, I don't know, eight years or something yeah. now. Generally, and I'm going to make an assumption here, 95% of television publicists do not leave. Correct. Television publicists. Correct. And they don't necessarily have to move up a hierarchical scale. They are more than happy being publicists because, again, there is even less managerial jobs. So mm-hmm. getting into the industry is really difficult, is Very it? hard. Yeah. So what do you think stood you out as being a candidate for that role at that time? I was recommended um, by, as I mentioned, at, at Fox, I... I, I develop some fantastic relationships, which is great. And I think in our careers over life, you know, those relationships that really are um, important. You have advocates, you know, if you, you and you have to work hard at that. That's people's reputation. I'm a big believer of that. Don't don't ask anyone to recommend you just because you worked with them. It's like, well, be realistic about whether they are going to be the right kind of advocate for you and that you've earned it. So I was thankful. I was recommended. That did not mean that I got the job. I just got an interview and I had three interviews. And um, and I think I was able to talk about, uh, I mean, I, I showed an understanding and I think probably, a, a, you know, a, a passion for the industry. I knew what Network 10 was about. I did my research, which, um, you know, so, and um, and I I knew how to navigate things as well. So I think some of those, you know, and I brought something, potentially I brought something different to their team mm. and the organisation. So, um, yeah, so it wasn't an easy one. Like I, there, were, there were three, I remember, like different kinds of, you know, groups of people and, you know, really, you know, talking through what I knew, what I could bring, you know, what I could um what I understood of, you know, doing a campaign at that time, which was really different to actually what TV publicity is. Mm, I bet. And also the programming has changed so much. I mean, now Mm. at a guess, I imagine 50% of shows are probably reality or light entertainment based, whereas back then they potentially were much more drama focused. Well, I was at, um, as as you said um, previously, I was at Network 10 
They were the first of the broadcasters to bring reality television to Australia. So by the time I started, um, they had already launched the year before Big Brother, which was the first, you know, um, commercial reality television show, which took the world by storm, took Australia by storm. And um, so they had, and, and that takes up an entire schedule. And so, yes, mostly things were drama and mostly things were acquired drama, which means things that you buy from internationally, um, you know, NCIS or CSI or that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know. You know, so mostly it would, most of your schedule would, would be um, international shows. So that would be kind of the core of what you did. And at that time, international dramas did very well for Australian audiences. Like they really consumed a lot of it. So it was certainly your prime time was international shows, um, usually, you know, American comedy or American drama or that kind of thing. So um, absolutely. Then from a Australian production perspective, absolutely. It was kind of like they, they were either drama series, like long runny dramas, um, or shorter stint dramas, or you would have like your daytime shows, um, and then um, and then of course the advent of reality television, which Network Ten were the first to launch it before my time. So they launched Big Brother year before me, um, and then Big Brother became you know the first of many for our industry that um, was spawned. So it's very much reality now. Mm. And as a television publicist, mm. what do you do? What are you responsible for? Mm. So many things. So many. Um, fundamentally, you're responsible for the communications of a campaign, right? So and the, that campaign generally stems around a show. Correct, around a program. Mostly you work towards first, of course, the launch of the program, the first broadcast date, um, about, you know, kind of securing coverage. And that's different depending on what type it is, type of show it is and what access you have, access and assets, I think are kind of key things for most um, shows. And those those assets have to be more than just the program itself, of course. So access, you know, do we get um, interviews with um, international guests, well, depending on what is, uh, whatever it is, like if it's a, a, um, the talent or... Um, um, and assets, of course, which is the um, you know photographs and et cetera, that kind that kind of collateral that you know builds a story. Um, but yes, yeah, so you work towards um, the launch of the event. Um, if it's a, um, a domestic one, you often would do like a, a an actual party where you have media guests, et cetera. Um, you do press releases, you do press kits, you have lines against inquiry, you are briefing talent, you are. Um, briefing stakeholders. You have stakeholder management. You have issue management. It's vast. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it's a really varied. Um, I think communications in general is a varied job, but there are yeah. a lot of people that you kind of deal with, and it's not just the program itself. No, and I think that's perhaps what people wouldn't realise, and, and why should they if they don't work in television? That there's a lot of people that that are part of a television show going to air. Sure, mm. there's television, uh, the, the publicity side of things, sure. but. I mean, way back three months ago, a year ago or two years ago, whenever that program started being made, let's say if it was a drama, yeah. you've got production companies. So mm. can you just give me a, a very quick kind of flow of a program idea, you know, perhaps being presented and then the flow of how that kind of comes in the departments mm. and, yeah. I'll give it a go. It's complex. It's and it's different, I would say, in different places, i.e. from between a, a public broadcaster necessarily and a commercial um, network. Um, but in general, I would say the production company comes up with a concept. They come and they pitch it to the broadcaster. Um, and it might not be completely fully formed yet. 
you know. So, um, so, but it's an idea. I'll pitch it to the broadcaster whom they have an experience with. They may have some kind of treatment, I would say, of what that um, the concept is. Um, and they might speak to you know in a in public broadcasting it's a commissioning editor in um in commercial tv it's probably you know an executive producer maybe internal within the network and um and they kind of you know they pitch the idea so there's that let's say the production company is then engaged to do it and then they develop it from there so there's the whole development side of the production company it's their responsibility to produce the show so they become responsible for securing the you know of course everything else that goes with it the writers developing if it's a script or the talent or casting and that kind of thing and the casting of those sorts of elements and the scripting, etc., it is in concert with the um, with the broadcaster because they have commissioned you um, to make a program for them. So there's that, you know, um, the all those people that go with it, the filming of it, that they're engaged, etc. And then, um, of course, eventually it gets to the broadcast, and then you've got a whole other machine internally that um, gets it to air. Um, I mean, there's the technical side of how they get the tear, which I'm not going to get into because I actually probably don't know all the details, <laughs> even after all these years, like there's broadcast ops teams and all that kind of thing. But then there's a whole machine around that, that, um, you know, that gets it to air. That's not just about the promotion. You've got classifications teams, you've got legal teams, you know, that have to make sure that it's okay to go to air or the scripts are correct, um, you know. And then, of course, you have the whole promotional arm, which is, you know, a, a lot of departments. You're what a TV station is, though, or a broadcaster, it's, which has changed. It's you're a broadcaster. You're not just a TV station, um, and um, is that you are like a, a marketing team or however you call it, a creative team. You are a full service team. So whereas potentially PR agencies, they might create. You know, they might do social media or things like that. It's like, I don't do social media. My team doesn't do social media. We have a social media team that we work with. We have a creative team who make all our assets. We have a marketing team that do our, you know, our, um, come up with the overarching, you know, campaign, et cetera, and the brief um, that the, you know, the campaign rolls out, um, et cetera. So it's, um, it's a luxury in some ways when you work in TV because you have everything here. Like yeah. you have all the experts. You have the best people doing mm-hmm. You really do. Yeah. yeah. And uh, relationships are something that I certainly recall mm. being very, very important in television because as a publicist, you are dealing with a production company. Yeah. So you could be talking to them about um, uh, the filming, the shooting schedule, yeah. when things are coming up, when you can bring media to set. Yeah. Uh, you might be chatting to the unit publicist and the unit publicist, there's a unit publicist and a, and a broadcast publicist Correct. or a network publicist. Right. So the unit publicist is responsible for collating and creating the assets that then get delivered to the broadcast or the network publicists but you might be liaising with them about the photography and what's getting what's getting shot that day um um so you've got the production relationship you've got the talent so you are responsible for managing the media coverage for that show which therefore means the actors or the presenters or whoever's part of that so you need to develop a trusting relationship with them that they feel you've got their best interests at heart and also their agent feels that you've got their best interests at heart because quite a lot of the time once they're signed to a show their agent you know they may step in when it comes to approval on certain bits and pieces but generally you're the person that's guiding that so um and then you've got the interdepartment relationships you need to have so it's stakeholder management and relationships is core and if you don't have those skills or you haven't been able to develop them then it's going to be a problem for you um, and because they are incredibly important. Like I, I think that's one of the things I 
always have loved and continue to love is those relationships and what we are able to achieve together. You know, whether it is a producer or and um, or a, a comms person in a, in a production or the talent, etc., or the commissioning editors or the executive producers, it makes what we do, I think, so much more interesting and meaningful and you can... Um, you know, you can do good things together. Mm. It's really important. And I think from that talent perspective, sometimes that can be the most appealing thing about working in television is that you get to work with celebrities <laughs> and there are lots of fun things. I mean, sure. you know, the amount of red carpets I've done yep. for, you know, the equivalents of the Australian sort of ARI Awards, which are like um, like a Grammys or something, yep. their music award and our Logie Awards, which are like an Emmys yep. or something like that. So you're doing all those fun things, but the flip side of that, you're also you know, getting a talent out of bed at 4.30 in the morning so you can yes. make it to a 6 a.m. live yeah. interview and then you're with them for 14 hours and doing a late night radio or talk or whatever. So um, it's quite unrelenting. Yeah, they're, they're intense schedules too. Um, you know, in the in the reality TV space as well, like the, the participants um, that come out of those houses or et cetera, they're, I mean, in my time when I was working on them, their schedules were relentless. Yeah. They were like 4 a.m. from 4 a.m. to get up to do breakfast until the evening. They, gosh, my gosh, they did a lot of press. Yeah, and to be honest, that's the thing that I miss yeah. the most about television. I love putting together an interview yeah. schedule. <laughs> there is nothing that gives me more joy in life than trying to collate 14 yeah. hours worth of interview schedules of whatever you've got, 120 yeah. publications, and try and make them come together in yeah. some kind of logical flow sure. and you know yeah that's without a doubt is the number one thing that I yeah. miss from working in television yeah there's a lot of that yeah um but um but then you have things like you know as they become more established as um presenters and or actors etc you're much more discerning of course you know mm. there's there are certain things that they can and will do and rightly so you know you really have to tailor I guess like any good pitch it's like really tailor the um, experience in the publication or the outlet that you have um, that person speaking with, um, that it's value not just to the project but to them, mm. you know. And that's kind of the balance of the media coverage that you are securing as a publicist. Yeah. So there may be stuff that is profile building for yes. a particular talent. Um, you could be reviews. You're trying to get a yep. television reviewer to write about a particular episode or the launch of a series. That's right. Um, there's uh, cover-related stuff. So it could be the front of a TV magazine or a glossy lifestyle magazine. Yep. Um, again, that maybe that talent in there. So we do kind of, you know, it's, it's uh, most campaigns, I would say, from a comms perspective for TV, it's kind of, it would be probably like a three-month yeah. Run, right. So mm -hmm. it's long term, short term. Um, it's short, long term, medium term, short term. Long term are your kind of feature publications. They're your, they're your major magazines. You know, and um, so the Murray Claire's, the Vogue's, the that kind of thing. So you organise interviews and or photo shoots and or those kinds of things because their deadlines are so far out. So you start that three months out. Closer to you have maybe kind of your uh, weekly magazines, which you still have to pitch in advance and actually get the photo shoot or the asset or the interview. Et cetera locked in to run of course closer to broadcast but you have to do that that far out and then you have your immediate which is your kind of online news um your uh, news sites your radio your television um and um and i'm i'm a demanding boss i want it all yeah i'm a nice boss i think but um but well, you want I, it to be comprehensive i do want, you to, want to make sure all yeah. the the target market whoever they happen to be yeah. for that show have been reached across as many 
um, editorial Correct. touch points as they could possibly be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also um, the key thing, of course, is that the right message is there. Yes. Right? So it's not just about, I mean, look, it depends. I mean, sometimes there's just celebrity-driven PR and that's totally fine because it's probably more of an entertainment show. So it's really about the host or the actor or that kind of thing that you might um, you know, be able to secure publicity with. Um, but then you also have programs that have deeper meaning and you really do want that kind of narrative to be out there. You know, mm-hmm. what are the key messages about what you are pitching? You know, how are you landing that? You know, is that the is that the right publication and the right story? Um, and um, so that kind of thinking around, at, you know, what that narrative is going to be for that campaign um, is important and really interesting. And like you mentioned before, there could be a number of stakeholders that involve mm-hmm. with that. You know, there's executive producers from the network, from the production yep. company. Um, if it's something particularly controversial, whether it's drama or reality mm-hmm. based or news based, whatever it is, generally you're going to know in advance. It doesn't. You yes. don't just find out that an episode's gone to air. You no. know weeks, if not months, in advance. So there is an element of strategy and planning around it. A lot of preparation, and, and a lot of it comes down to that messaging. How. We know this is going to inflame things for yep. these variety of reasons. How can we ensure that the messaging is shaped in the way that we want it to be understood, delivered? How do we massage that with journalists yes. so they understand that they just don't pick up one point from it and forget about that? So yep. it's a... It's really about crafting the approach. I mean, we do a lot of, um, you know, I mean, I, I say lines against inquiry, which gives you, so what you do is like we do like a brain dump of all the questions, of all the issues that might, issues and pros, et cetera, that might come up with any um, program. Um, and we kind of craft what would we say, what can we, and it's a lot of research, you know. So there's a lot of, you know, sometimes you speak to code, sometimes you, you, you kind of have to figure out, okay, what is our health and wellbeing plan? What is this, that and the other? What actually happened here? Um, there's Did someone of, break a law? Is this, yeah, you know. Correct. Yeah, correct. Absolutely. Um, and you work with a whole bunch of different departments and most specifically, of course, your commissioning team, but also codes, legal, et cetera, to get a better understanding um, um, of things. And so there's a lot of that preparation before. How, how can we potentially mitigate risk? How can we make sure that we are taking care of the um, health and well-being of the people that are involved? And obviously in this situation, I'm just talking more of those kinds of factual programs where there are real people that are involved. These are their real-life stories. Mm. They are complex. They are not neat. You know, they don't get um, wrapped up in a ribbon at the end of it. There's not going to be necessarily a happy ending at the end of it because this is life. And so there's a lot of thought that goes into, okay, when we're crafting this strategy moving forward and, and actually every step of the way, you really have to think about not just purely the promotion of the show. There's a higher responsibility, I really feel, about these individuals who have agreed to take part in it, mm. you know, and to tell their stories to broader audiences. So it's about, okay, sometimes you have to kind of go, oh, they're not going to do that interview. Like even though that would be a really big piece to promote the show, you know, you have to re- – I think there's a responsibility in what we do and to say that's not best for that person, mm. that will make them vulnerable and that is a space that we cannot control. This is not advertising. This is like, you know, publicity. Yeah. You know, there's a journalist on the other end who has their job to do. It won't necessarily be portrayed in the way that we can't control that, basically. So sometimes you have to, you know, have that sort of thinking of mm, we're just going to... You have not. to understand the parameters yeah. of, of when it, when is it okay to say no, yeah. you know, and what are the consequences of saying no? Like you said, you may not get a certain piece of coverage, 
but more broadly or long term that's that's a benefit to that person or to that program Correct. or whatever it is and you have to have very tight writing skills when you, you work in publicity i feel because yeah. you could be again depending on the roles and responsibilities of the production company you could be writing a 200 or 100 word summary of an episode that's got to you know summarize an hour's worth of television into yeah. a small amount of words or it could be media releases or putting bios together so yeah. writing's a, a core part isn't it it is um and also being able to adapt your style yes you know so that um meets the topic you know, it could be for a press release. It could be a fun press release yeah. as opposed to a serious one. So you want to be able to at least lightly adapt. Mm. Um, and um, and then also, as you said, you know, there's some, you know you can edit synopses of shows and things like that. We do less of that, I have to say, now. Um, but we still do because you do a lot of that um, editing it down to for your press releases or your press kits or that kind of thing. Mm. In your pitch, you know, um, you know, being a good writer and understanding how to craft things um, – you know, in a pitch is important. Pitching, mm. pitching, pitching, <laughs> you know. And obviously you're not pitching so much anymore because for quite a while now Me, you've been no. yeah, head of publicity. <laughs> so yeah. we've kind of talked about um, what a, a publicist is responsible for doing. Yeah. As you progress up and you move into managerial positions and head of publicity, f- yeah. you know, for a network, what are the things that um, fill up your day? Yeah. Meetings, I imagine. There are a lot of meetings. There is a lot of your sphere of responsibility and influence increases, obviously. So um, you are in many more discussions that are in a consultative basis. You know, I speak to commissioning editors a lot around potential upcoming shows um, and their talent and or um, navigating potentially some issues and that kind of thing. Um, I um, do, there's a lot of management of people which I really enjoy, actually. Um, but management of people takes up a lot of time and um, and career development and that kind of thing and wellbeing plans and all that kind of stuff, particularly times like now, even more so, even more important. Yeah, I mean, look, the difference is like you're no longer necessarily simply um, responsible and concentrating on the program publicity itself. You are still quite involved because it's part of a larger strategy, but it's really about that larger strategy. It's about how all that communication as a whole, all those different programs, and that's the thing about television channels and networks there's lots of programs that are going at the same time so it's actually about the suite of things and Mm. you're also thinking and working a lot about the impacts that they have um, for the broader business not just the show itself so Mm. look there's a lot of that kind of consultation a lot of meetings a lot of campaign meetings and things like that and how many are in your team at the moment at the moment i have 10 in my team and what's the um range of positions that you have from really junior to um, senior, so so I have um, I have a, like a, a strong succession plan, which is n- not very often that you have those in TV publicity teams. They can be quite flattened for a while. Mine was as well, and I I've restructured to make sure that you have kind of different levels so people can grow. So um, I have an operations portion of the team, which are the people who do uh, the program guides and um, and um, and highlights and um, media center, those kinds of things that are all assets, etc. For um, our industry, so I have that team. Um, and then I have a comms assistant um, slash junior comms specialist, recently promoted, well done, <laughs> and um, who do all the administration, um, and uh, but also actually actively working on campaigns. So as a, a, you know, a development path, um, I have comms specialists, um, and then I have PR. Um, I have um, senior comms specialists, and then PR managers, mm. and then myself. And we've spoken about how difficult it is to get into the industry yeah. in general. So those junior positions, I can't imagine, come up very regularly. No. When they do, 
um, because they are such a junior position, what are you looking for in a candidate? Because do they need to have some kind of comms experience somewhere or are they generally graduates and either either or what what are you looking for in a person? I do like for them to have a little bit of kind of a little bit of experience, but not necessarily paid. I mean, um, you know, I mean, it's easy to do now. I think because university um, degrees they have practical, I presume, part, as part of it. So, um, so, so, an interest and an understanding of what it is, um, and um, and more so actually being able to demonstrate that they have some, they're tenacious and that they like hard work mm-hmm. and that they have an understanding of our industry. I mean, I don't know how the number of people, I don't watch TV or, or I don't watch, and it's like, well, TV is content. Do you watch Do you watch something online? Like, yeah. It's about the shows. Yep. Or have an understanding about um, media outlets. You yes. know, and so they don't say to me that, um, where do you get your news from? Uh, Facebook. It's like, right. That that's That's not a media outlet that is a vehicle that where you can get your media from but yeah you know so if they have just at least an understanding mm-hmm. of what do you read oh you know i mostly you know x y and z on i mostly get it from facebook but these are the kind of places that i like to you know whether it's a city morning herald or the guardian or daily mail or something mm. i like to listen to this radio station i mean i guess i know that that their consumption is different I understand that, but you are going into a communications team, so you should have a knowledge of it. Even if you say, it's not really my thing, but I know of blah, 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 blah. So I think if you have an understanding, I don't necessarily, I mean, if we're talking about a really junior position, I don't necessarily need for you to, I mean, maybe I'm different in that I work for a broadcaster, I work for a media organisation, absolutely in an entry level. I would like for you to have a desire to be in this profession, which is PR. Um, and uh, But I do understand that you're probably very early 20s and not really sure, even after you've gone to university, of what you want to do. But you kind of, like me when I was young, wanted to work in the industry. I would prefer that you want to work in my team, but also I do see it as a development and um, an exploration phase, provided that you are gung-ho to do the job that you have been employed for you know and then we will give you opportunities to build your communication skills to work on campaigns to really figure out whether it is something that you do want to pursue or if it's something else Mm. is it that you like writing but that doesn't mean you want to be a publicist it's a very different thing you need to write yeah but that's actually not a core thing about um, being a publicist you know it's about being able to you know secure coverage have those conversations and you know and um, being able to organize things and have critical thinking skills all those kinds of things if you like writing you might best kind of approach um pursue something that is in an editorial space yes absolutely. so i don't mind those more junior mm-hmm. junior like that for them to kind of it being an exploration um space for them but they need to you know also demonstrate that they've got some administration skills because it's such an administrative job when you first get in. Yeah, absolutely. It's not that exciting, but no. it is exciting. Yeah, like it's exciting industry to work yeah, in. Exactly. But the reality is it doesn't matter, I think, what junior level of what industry you're in when you're in PR, there's going to be some very monotonous tasks there. But, yeah. I mean, certainly something that I was very grateful for, uh, to you for was when I got my – when you employed me as a publicist. So I'd had um, – I think a year and a half, two years as my first role out of university working in television in WA and then I worked in London for four or five years. But I moved to Sydney, never lived there before. I hadn't lived in Australia for five years. So I had uh, zero TV contacts. Mm. I didn't have any personal contacts at all in the industry, but I did have you know some years of working in television publicity. When you are hiring 
publicists, what weight do you give to experience versus cultural fit versus their adaptability? Um, or do you tend to just hire from the pool of television publicists that kind of exist? No. Um, I mean, sorry, I shake my head at you <laughs> with regards to um, TV publicists. I've employed one TV publicist in my time in at, at SBS um, and um, and I think probably not dissimilar when I was at 10. There's not that many of them out there, to be sure. honest, but the, it's about the mix of the team. So you really do have to – and what they can bring to it. So absolutely it's, it's great to have people that do have that direct – you know, television or broadcast experience because there's a certain pace that goes with the job. Um, but also uh, for me, it is it is experience but not necessarily um, in TV but more like a transferable experience. So like I have people that have worked in publishing, which can be good and can be bad, right? So publishing has probably got, um, you know, it's probably not as fast a pace. So but, you know, if in our interview – um, you know, you can demonstrate that, uh, you know, really demonstrate that you're able to work on campaigns on multiple levels with d- deadlines changing and things like that and be able to transfer the way a structure of a campaign for a book launch might be for television and get it, you know, understand that I'm very quite practical when I do an interview. It's like, talk me through it, walk me through how you're doing that so that I really have an understanding that it's not just spin that you're giving me that you understand how to do, how to, yes. how to deliver on a mm-hmm. campaign and what that looks like. And so, um, so it is their kind of experience. It's their agility. It's their ability to, their, to be able to demonstrate to me their ability to work on a num- number of projects at the same time um, that have a real understanding of who we are you know, so whether it's Network 10 or SBS, you know, who we are, you know, who, what makes up the makeup of, you know, what's important to us and um, and that you understand what audience we are looking for. And it's not as niche as you think, you know. So sometimes, you know, people will peg an entertainment company in simply the entertainment space and maybe somebody like a public broadcaster simply in that kind of social issue space. And it's it's more complex and it's more interesting than that and it's broader than that. So someone who has those kinds of... Um, broader critical thinking skills, really important. Yes, it's nice to have contacts, but mm-hmm. our industry is constantly changing. And there's always someone that necessarily that's in that job that um, that you might not know. They change yeah. often regardless, you mm-hmm. know. So it's around being, um, you know, knowing how to navigate the space, knowing where to go and how to do that. Yes, it's nice to know somebody in particular and have a working relationship, and it's great, and there are lots of benefits from that. Um um, you know, that trust that you build up and that kind of, you know, shorthand that you can have with mm-hmm. regards to, you know, pitching something and, and having it land. Um, but um, if you um, are tenacious and know what you're doing, then that could be somebody that you've never met before. Mm. And for those that um, that don't thrive very well in television publicity roles, what do you think are the, the biggest challenges that you've kind of identified why they don't make a fit? Is it the lack of the ability to juggle multiple things? Mm. Is that is that a core it is. problem? I know people talk a lot. Pivot is a, is a buzzword everywhere at the moment. But um, but mental agility. It's, yeah. There are a lot of projects and there are a lot of stakeholders and they – And it's just getting more rather than less as our industry expands. So when I started, there were five commercial television channels. No, sorry, five television channels, two commercial, three commercial, two public broadcasters. 
which are still the same, um, but now everyone has multi-channels and our and it's your competitive landscape is no longer television. Like television is as a term, it's really content businesses. So there's the Netflix and there's you know Stan and there's you know something you know every every few months now that the new are, subscriber model. Out that's there. right, mm-hmm. absolutely new subscriber model doesn't matter. Um, so the landscape is vast and. Um, so each of your channels now, you've got like another like three or four channels. So you've got a lot of content to get out there. And you certainly prioritise, but um, but there are lots of programs that are launching. They are, or that you have to be, take care of, as well as kind of your ongoing news programming that is a weekly yeah. offering. Um, and so being able to work on those campaigns all at the same time in different phases, of course, you know, is... Um, is really important. So to be able to juggle that, to be able to handle the, the mental load of that many projects um, and uh, and that they will change. Yeah. The dates will change, you know. Yes. So <laughs> the dates will change. Scheduling changes often mm-hmm. so because for whatever reason. It could be because of the production itself. It be, could be because actually that's not best for the schedule any, any longer because of something else that's happening outside of anyone's control. It could be because a competitor is launching on the same day and you and you just think, well, that's not great for our audience, you know. Yes. And so we need to shift that. And then you have to be okay and um, – and not just okay, you have to be able to jump and change yeah. and, and I will use the current word, which is pivot, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to be able to um, continue with the campaign. And not take it personally, which no. sounds like such a silly thing yes. to say because it's, obviously it's not personal, no. but um, I think people, especially yes. with any kind of campaign changes, they can they pour their heart and soul into it and when they, when they do have to adapt, it's, it's, um, it's not an easy thing for them no. to do and... No, and yeah. it can sometimes absolutely people do sometimes take it personally and and what impact it is having on me and certainly that is a consideration but at the end of the day it's the what is best for audiences what is best for the business yeah because we work we work for a business mm. yeah okay so to wrap it up what do you think are the most appealing things to someone about working in television publicity and what are some of the realities that are perhaps not so thrilling but you should be aware of. Mm. I genuinely think it's interesting every single day, even on bad days Mm -hmm. where, particularly for me because I don't actively work on the shows as much in that kind of nitty-gritty, but still campaigns are and and programs are still part of my, you know, every day. It's a really interesting industry. Every single day is interesting. You know, um, the programs change or the circumstances change. I mean, I generally am not bored and Mm. I've been doing this for 20 years Mm -hmm. so um, and that's I think a big deal and you really do meet wonderful people really interesting wonderful people you know even sometimes when you might be working on the same kind of show year after year I mean you know in commercial television it's a different kind of model so you do have season six of master master chef yes you know so there's that so that but you can still find the interesting parts each each season is still very different there are different people and I still find the excitement in that Mm-hmm. In terms of challenges and the the areas that are perhaps l- less appealing, but are the realities of working within television, hours. Look, it depends. Uh, it sometimes can be hours. I mean, I, I remember when I was in commercial TV, the hours were very long mm. because um, there were 
a lot of programs that were either live or they filmed outside of hours. So there was a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and um, so there would be early mornings because of the press themselves, um, doing the press. Yeah. And then there will be late nights because you are hosting um, journalists, etc. at the filming of something. That yeah. filming always runs over, mm-hmm. you know. So, and I guess after a while, the excitement of going to filming is not really exciting because it is very much a job um, and these are not your friends. You know, you might be friendly, but they're not like you're hanging out with your mates. Yeah. So um, there are the, they could, they are the hours. And, um, and that constant scrutiny, we work in media. So, yes. you know, that constant, and, and, and I guess over time, that desire um, in that space for that, for the controversy in press, in, in, uh, in coverage, that comes from, you know, possibly both parts, possibly from the broadcaster, but um, more likely to increase consumption mm-hmm. in the um, in the media outlets. That's exhausting. Yeah. You know, one thing that I can recall that I haven't I haven't had since is, you know, when I'm uh, when I was in house, so I was uh, in house doing hospitality. I was a PR manager there for a year, and then before I had my own agency, the. Certainly in hospitality, yes, you might launch a venue. Yes, of course, you need to make sure you have mm. um, ongoing media coverage for that, but you are not being judged daily on daily. that. They might be reviewing their turnover and how many people came in and what their average spend was, but that doesn't necessarily reflect on me daily. However, mm. in television, mm. every single day, especially if it's a program There's that goes a report to air, card. Yeah. I, once a week or if you're doing the reality programs and maybe four or five or six times a week and every day those ratings come through and they're like, well, you've dropped by X percent or this percent. And so what are we going to do tomorrow to lift the episode? And that can be a real challenge because you've done all this planning. There isn't necessarily anything Anything more I can do that I can do or or how, how can I create an opportunity? So that kind of that relentless, the relentlessness of, Fingers being pointed. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, they might be pointing at promos. Can you do the promos in a slightly more engaging way? Um, but the show's already been made. So that responsibility is gone. So really it falls to the people that are the gatekeepers between, you know, the media coverage and people absorbing that information. And the, that can be the pressure challenging. In, the, particularly the pressure in commercial television because they have commercial pursuits as well. Yes. Absolutely. Um, is that daily report cut? Is it, it can be really intense. You know, and there's a, a lot of scrutiny. As you say, you know, there's morning morning ratings. You know, your day can change on a dime. You know, those ratings come in at, what, 8.50 in the morning or 9, 9.11, I think I get them. <laughs> and um, and depending on how that performance, how we perform the night before, a whole schedule can change. Yeah. You know, and um, and that kind of pressure of, like you said, what are we going to do? And, and, and as you said as well, it's like, I don't know really what more we can do, but sure, we can try this, that, and the other. And um, and there's a lot of scrutiny because there's a lot of appetite for that kind of news as well, um, those kinds of stories. So um, so that um, relentless pressure, it can get to people. Mm. I think yes. being able to manage stress um, better than average is really yeah. important because of a number of things we've touched on in this chat already, but you are often in the firing line of people saying we need to do something and you need to not go, oh, my God, uh, I don't know what to do. You have to be able to go, okay, give me half an hour. Let me have a think about things. Let me chat with the team. Let me chat with somebody else. And let me give you some ideas. And that's why I say critical thinking skills are the best, being able to understand, to evaluate, to analyse, to problem solve, to find a way through. Mm. You know, they are really the fundamental things 
of being able to do this job well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I truly believe that. Mm. And I think that's applicable across all Mm -hmm. industries and sectors of PR. You know, you have to be able to, sure, you might have an amazing story to be able to get over the line and sometimes it's easier than others, but quite often it doesn't matter whether you're pitching in a mobile phone or a lipstick or a television show. Sometimes the content just isn't interesting enough and you have to be able to find a way to connect with that journalist and, you know, therefore your target audience to make it sound as appealing as you need it to be. Yeah. Or sometimes have the the hard conversation um, with those internal people who are asking it of you to say that it is not possible. Managing those expectations. Correct. Of, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's a big that's a that's a big part of the job. Yeah. Especially you know. for you in the managerial yeah. level because you know you're part of those conversations. This is what we can do. This is what we can get because you know as you've been doing it for a long time, you have a real understanding of the scope of what you're be, you're going to be able to achieve. Yes. With what you have. Yeah. If I have X more, I could probably do something else. Yes. Um but you have a um you have a a real understanding of the scope of a campaign of how it's going to land. You know, sometimes there are variables which are great. So, you know, there you have to manage some unrealistic um, expectations mm. and um and you know you do that you can do that a lot yeah absolutely not even just manage unrealistic expectations because it sounds um that sounds quite negative it's actually to lay out what it's going to look like yes you know Add as some cl- clarity i yeah, guess you know this is kind of the scope of the campaign these are the things that we're going to be able mm-hmm. to achieve and um and uh, you know so in a truly in a positive way i mean there's sometimes there are things you kind of you know you have to have that hard discussion of no one is going to be interested and this is why yes yeah and in my line you know with the hospitality venues they might say well i want to be in 10 monthly magazines and i said there are not 10 that exist that you could potentially be in and even if those opportunities do exist you might get one to two of them so and these are the reasons why why so it's just about managing that and and I think sometimes it is like you said just providing some context yes uh, not just saying no Mm-mm. you can't have that that's you, right. you won't get that it's about padding that I mean I, and that's what PR is it's a lot of it is yeah. is messaging and how to communicate things in a very effective succinct way that the people in the receiving end whether it's a internal stakeholder or a journalist or whoever it may be can receive the information interpret that information and then do what they need to do with it and I'm going to wrap it up there thank Thank you you. it's been a delight having you on here thank you so much for spending so much time talking about television publicity Ah, thank you for inviting me I really appreciate it pleasure it's been great and if you enjoyed this episode and are listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes I'd appreciate a quick rating and review for the podcast thanks for listening to the PR pod for more expert tips on working in PR head to www.theprpod.com